3: Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation live from the iconic Sheraton Wall Center in downtown Vancouver. My name is Dave Boudrelli, that is Harmon Dial joining me in studio. So is Jeff Patterson who's going to be joining us later, but not yet, not quite yet. Before that, we need to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by our friends at HSBC World Rugby 7s which if you didn't know is Western Canada's largest sporting event. And this year is the ninth time that the event has visited Vancouver as part of the world rugby seven series from February 23rd to 25th, grab your friends and your best costume and head on down to BC place to catch 12 women's and 12 men's seven teams, including two Canadian squads take to the pitch for three full days of jam packed rugby and partying tickets on sale. Now at van 7scom starting from just $40 per day. And if you want to go, Maybe you don't want to buy tickets just, just yet. You got a chance to win with us because we've got four pack of tickets for the entire weekend to give away. We're going to be giving a four pack away each week leading up to the event to enter text hashtag sevens. That's S E V E N S two seven, 78-402-9680 for your chance to win. Like I said, we'll be giving one away every week until the event and you won't want to miss it folks. So text hashtag sevens to 78-402-9680. Zero. If you want to buy tickets, vansevens.com. I feel bad for the people that had tickets to last night's game, especially if they paid like $500 for it. I feel, I, I genuinely feel for those people that bought it thinking they were going to get C. Connor Bernard and then they see nine Jason Dickinsons
4: on the ice. Nine Jason Dickinsons, that would be a compliment to the Blackhawks. That's, that's You're a kidding me. They would have a lot of scores. <laughs> They'd be a way better team with nine Jason Dickinsons.
3: was... Seven shots from Marcus Foligno, or not Marcus, Nick Foligno last night. And Jeff and I were joking on rink-wide game. Check out rink-wide after every Canucks game. Um, We were joking that, well, I was joking that everybody looked like Jason Dickinson to me. Like, skating stride, uh, the way they play, no real skilled players. Everybody on that team just feels like Jason Dickinson to me.
4: Don't disrespect Jason Dickinson <laughs> like that. You know what? You can call him like the Vancouver era version of Jason Dickinson sure that's fair that that's
3: fair you're right because Jason Dickinson is a changed man he's a 4.5
4: millionaire now crazy
3: isn't it crazy it is crazy uh okay so yes the Vancouver Canucks win two to nothing over those Chicago Blackhawks last night two assists for Andre Kuzmenko really early Canucks get all of their scoring done in the first period and didn't need anything else from there as Thatcher Demko turns its side 31 shots for his fifth shutout of the season lost to get to here i want to focus on demko but let's start with that second line let's start with andre kuzmenko who had another strong game following up his strong performance against the toronto maple leafs as well
4: yeah first of all i think for the win as a whole this was one of those games i've talked before where sometimes you have teams that are legit contenders that know they're going to get into the playoffs they end up playing a, a poor team on paper and they do just enough to win and then just put it in cru- cruise control. That's how it felt like watching the Canucks, where they go up 2 nothing, And then based off how heavily they were controlling play, you think, oh, man, this is going to be an entertaining game. They, they're going to spend the entire night in the Blackhawks zone. But the final 40 minutes were pretty dry. The Canucks didn't play particularly mm-hmm. well. But you could just tell they had put it into cruise control. There was no real threat with the Blackhawks coming back in that one. With the second line in particular, I mean, yeah, this was arguably one of Kuzmenko's best games of the season. I made a a joke uh, to j in the press box last night that he's a bottom feeder merchant. Kuzmenko loves his Chicagos and his San Jose's. But no, you hope that this is a launching pad for him because you could see the difference in confidence. Part of it, of course, starting with how well he played in that Toronto game in that 10-minute stretch he had in the third period. I'm sure that carried over. And then to finally have a play where he makes that spin around a move and it ends up in the back of the net, there have been in intermittent moments this season where he's made that type of flashy play. And whether it's been he's the shooter or he set it up for somebody else, it just doesn't end up in the back of the yes. net. So even though it was productive, even though it looks good, it doesn't actually get the result that boosts a guy's confidence. And you could just see it the whole night, how elusive he was as a skater. One point I wanted to bring up with, that second line as a whole. I think we agree that up until the Chicago game by the eye, they haven't looked particularly great. I remember we had wide on not too long ago, and that was a point of discussion. But if you look at the underlying number, since they've been together in just over hundred minutes, since the lawn line was of course reunited, they've controlled 58% of shots and scoring chances together as a trio. That's Suter, Mikheyev, And kuzmenko so territorially they're actually spending most of their shifts in the offensive zone they're creating a fair number of chances now the goals for and against they've scored two goals allowed three i wonder if part of our our perception of them maybe not clicking up until this point is them maybe just being a little snake bin because ultimately they've only scored two goals despite racking up 39 shots and 18 high danger chances according to natural stat trick Uh, which is a 5% on a shooting clip. That's unsustainably low. So this is where I'm sort of caught where for most of these games, again, I've watched them and I think to myself, I don't think they have it. I don't love their identity. I, I just don't think this is working. Yet maybe this is a case of a line that's actually doing quite well, controlling play, and maybe just needs more bounces, more pucks to go in. So we, we, we briefly had this discussion off air
3: and I kind of countered it a little bit and said, well, my eyes can tell me that Ilya Mikheyev is not playing good hockey right now. So how much of it is they're snake bitten more so than they have a guy who couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat in Ilya Mikheyev? Like, that's that's how I kind of look. at. It. And of course, I'm being a little dramatic there, as I tend to do on this show. But in all honesty, like the guy hasn't been able to finish this season and you know he was never really known as this perennial finisher when he was in Toronto or anything like that and you know we know he has the one breakaway move where he loves to go to the back end. we've seen that his whole career but sure that maybe bitten because they're creating chances but how much of it is just that they haven't been able to finish and they need to start finishing those chances
4: it's a- absolutely part of uh, the equation one thing I will say is we did see earlier in the year when Uh, Garland, Joshua, and Bluger, Bluger, or actually it was first suitor, when they were first put together that they'd control play and couldn't finish chances. Mm. Then they started to finish chances. Now, to be very clear, their best night of the season so far has been against the uh, Chicago Blackhawks without Connor Bedard. That's not exactly a ringing endorsement, and and I don't think they're quite on that trajectory that um, the Garland line is in, in terms of how well... They've played and I agree with you. I don't think Mikheyev's been at his best. I don't think he's been as disruptive as he can be on the forecheck. But it is at least a source of potential optimism that, hey, Kuzmenko has a couple of good games now. If he can keep that offensive swagger and if Suter can start to finish a little bit more like he did early in the season, because keep in mind, even the goal that he scored, he almost whiffed that. Yes. I don't know if you noticed, like, yes, I <laughs> that. and he's had a lot of chances, even going back to the Toronto game that Suter just hasn't been able to bury that he usually can bury. Even if you have just Kuzmenko and Suter going at their best, I think that can be not a good second line because it's not a second line. The third line is a second yeah, line. Yeah. Like you're at a point where if you have the lot line together, you mm-hmm. basically have two third lines yep. and that can work if both those lines are clicking. So you just hope that Chicago, this Chicago performance can be a bit of a launching pad for
3: them. Yeah, and once you add Elias Lindholm to this team, come on, it's gonna happen. We know it's gonna happen. Uh, before we continue with this recap of last night's game, we gotta tell you that this segment is brought to you by our friends over at Four Winds Brewing, family-owned and operated in Delta, home to the Four Winds Light Light Lager, a crisp, clean, and easy-drinking beer, a beer for everyone, a perfect beer for before, after, or during the game. Ask for four wins light logger at your local liquor store or have some delivered right to your door through the online shop at four None of us got light the lamp correct yesterday, but we'll, uh, we'll do it tomorrow. My Juleson pick. It's going to happen one day. It's going to happen one day. Um, I want to talk about Thatcher Demko who gets his fifth shutout of the season last night. In my mind, I'm looking at the Vesna trophy and I'm thinking it is a two horse race between Connor Hellebuyck and Winnipeg. And of course, Thatcher Demko in Vancouver. That's how I'm looking at this race at this point. Because, I mean, I've discussed this with Jeff a lot. So he's sitting right there. He's going to know exactly what I'm talking about because I keep bringing it up on rink wide. But these these are two players who Hellebuck didn't start the year great. Demko did. Demko took a step back in December. Hellebuck was on fire in the month of December. And now I think they're kind of evened out. And now I think it's just going to be down the final stretch of the season. You know, the back half of the season, you're going to start to see these guys just competing for position the whole time i i really like i i don't think there's a clear number three for the vesna right now Is kind of how i look at the race i I don't think there's a clear number three and i think a lot of us would have thought igor shesterkin would be one or two like i i don't even think he's a clear number three this season which surprises me quite a bit um but i really don't think there's a clear number three like Stuart skinner might start to get himself in that conversation with what he's doing right now in edmonton but Stuart Skinner's not beating out Demko or Hellebuck for the Vesna. Like, you can't win, in my opinion, you shouldn't be able to win a Vesna if it was wondered aloud if Casey DeSmith might be a better backup or better starter than you. Like, you, you shouldn't win the Vesna yeah. at that
4: point. It's it's definitely setting up to be that way, especially because the one goaltender that stands out analytically that is leading the league and goal saved above expected right now, Jacob Markstrom, he just doesn't have the team narrative going for him. Mm-hmm. And his save percentage isn't very high because Calgary is defending way worse than usual. So even though he's playing really well, there's, I don't think a realistic path for him to enter the Vezina yep. conversation. Uh, Tristan Jari has generally played well, but Pittsburgh as a whole is, is not good enough.
3: It's, it, it's funny harm. Cause it, it's almost the reverse of what we've always had. Maybe Swayman. Oh, Swam- yeah. Swayman's, pro- but again, again, With Swayman, I go back to, okay, well, he's going to be, like, last year was Allmark, right? Like, Allmark got the flowers. This year, it's Swayman. I want to see him do over a full season. Like, I want to see how long Swayman can keep it up. You know what I mean? Because, right, you're right. Like, Swayman is probably the clear number three right now. I just don't buy that he's going to be in that conversation the way I know Thatcher Demko and Connor Hellebuck are.
4: I'm a Swayman believer, though. I'll, I'll say that. I like that. A
0: lot of talent there. If the Yotes are able to lock down a wild card spot, I think you'll see Connor Ingram get some votes, especially considering what he's been through. And Jeff will like this, former Camloops Blazer. So you think of that team, like they are relying on him right now. We saw we saw him, what was it last week? Mm-hmm. And you know, he's he's pretty solid in there for him. So and I know some of the underlying metrics favor him pretty strongly as well.
3: Yeah, he's been he's been fantastic, but again we just threw out a bunch of names, no clear number three, not like any of those names are pushing for number one or number two. It's just something interesting that I uh, am kind of going to keep my eye on down the stretcher. It's going to be Hellebuck or Demko that wins the Vezna. I'm very confident in saying that. And look, the GMs vote on this and Jeff and I had this conversation last night as well, but the GMs vote on this. So my take is always that. Yeah. It's very surface level. Like I know people in Vancouver have wondered why Demko doesn't get Vezna votes and it's because his team doesn't win enough. Yeah, it's simple. You need the you need the counting stats. You need a high number of wins. You need a high number of shutouts, and you need a good save percentage, and you're getting a vote. That's that's all it comes down to, in my opinion. Like that's I, all 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 it comes down to is: Do you have a good save percentage? Do you have the most wins? Do you have the most shutouts? And right now, Demko's got five shutouts on the year. Hellebuck's only got two, so he's got him there. He's got him there. Uh, we'll see. It's going to be an interesting race down the stretch. Do you have anything you wanted to get to before we get to Jeff Patterson?
4: Just wanted to quickly bring up the. Um the ice times from last night. Nice. I thought it was um, a good job by talk. It manage it. understanding the opponent, understanding, understanding that you have control of this game. Plus the top guys had another off night. So Miller and Bess are under, under 15 minutes. Pedersen below 17. I think it was, I think it was Dakota Joshua led Canuck forwards in ice time. Nice to see the depo- deployment spread out pretty evenly Plus, another strong night, I thought, for uh, the fourth line as well.
3: Yeah, so what did you like about the fourth line? Because obviously that night against Toronto, hard to top that, right? Uh, But what did you like from the fourth line in particular?
4: Well, they're just hemming teams in. They're like dogs on a bone on the forecheck. The way they win battles, they support each other. Hoaglander in particular, I think, is playing some of the best hockey we've seen from him. They were, I believe, on the ice when Quinn Hughes scored his goal, they were a big part of that. Funny, they seem to be on the ice for a lot of these dominant Quinn Hughes shifts. The one in Toronto um, as well where Hoaglander eventually scored. Hughes played a big part in hemming them in. So I just think they're playing their workman-like game. They are responsible defensively. They're reading well off of each other. They're not making too many mistakes in terms of turning pucks over. They're just adding energy. And Talkett spoke about it after the game that, Against a team like Chicago, you're relying on maybe your younger guys like Hoagland or Amon, less experienced guys that give you a little bit of extra juice and spark on a night where, let's be honest, Saturday was a really emotional game mm-hmm. against the Leafs. It's hard to get up to play the Blackhawks without Bedard. That's where you lean on the fourth line to give you some energy, and I thought they did that quite effectively.
3: I'm very excited for anyone else because we have a couple BCHL questions. Oh, no. In there. Yep, we do. We got BCHL questions. Oh, so no. You no. Know we're gonna have to talk Can about it. Can we ban
4: that. these people in the chat? <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey, that's Jesse C. Jesse C is a regular oh, no. contributor. Can't ban him. Can't ban Jesse C. Uh, okay. Without further ado, let's bring in Jeff Patterson, who is brought to you by Greta, the home of our electric watch parties. Greta is Canuck's army spot to catch the game throughout the season during the playoffs, the cup final, and also our place to chill in the off season. Jeff, brought to you by Greta. Are you gonna come to Greta with us?
5: Yeah, but do you have a day yeah. set. We do.
3: What's going on with the oh, audio?
5: I don't oh, get an echo. I hear oh, it we're not. good now. All right.
3: Okay. Um,
5: Has this been revealed. You holding yeah. It you hold out on me. I, I, I knew that
3: there were plans in the works, but I I hadn't heard a date yet. Well, I keep accidentally leaking the date on the <laughs> show. Like I I, I you, you can only I leak it
2: once, right? Well, do you After know what that I said? It's out
3: there, <laughs> Jeff. I go. I said on the show. I was like, okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say the date, but it's between February 20th and 25th. And then I was like, wait. And I go look at the Canucks schedule, and there are two games in that span. So you have a 50% chance of being right. My new hint is that it's not a game against
5: the Boston Bruins. So yeah. it's
3: February 22nd. We're
5: going to have a Greta <laughs> I'll uh, check with my schedule and see if I'm free. If there it's it a is. Canucks game night, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously we've been doing rink-wide, so we'll have to you got to be able to watch the game so you can break it down. So we'll see. Uh, I just want to jump in quickly on the Vesna, and we did have this discussion, and I can't believe that you didn't reiterate my my point that, while, well, yes, it's the GMs, they're goalie coaches, the ones right. that do the heavy lifting. But according to Betway, Connor Hellebuck right now is the prohibitive favorite. You can get Hellebuck at two even, Thatcher Demko at 375, and then a huge drop to Jeremy Swayman at seven. Yeah. And then beyond that, Cam Talbot is fourth as a long shot. His odds are 17 to one.
3: Yeah, they're going to have
5: to correct that with the way L.A.'s play. Right. <laughs> but yes, it's a two-horse race, and I think it's a lot closer than uh, that betting board. Uh, maybe it wasn't updated uh, since uh, the fifth shutout of the season for Thatcher Demko last night.
3: Yeah, because it was funny. We we keep an eye on those odds all the time, and Demko was the clear favorite for a while there. And it it does change, obviously. The betting odds do change, but... Yeah, I, well, I just look at it and say it's a two horse race. a right? The GMs aren't just sitting there and looking at Hockey DB and picking themselves, but you know they also have opinions. Sure,
5: a bunch of them are former goaltenders themselves. They know a little bit about the position. Uh, I, I do hope as uh, this goes along, the Canucks have three games left. All three of games against the Winnipeg Jets. Like I hope we get two at the very least, head to head. Like yeah. I hope they go starter against starter the final matchup is game 82 of the regular season, which may not mean it might mean something, but it may mean absolutely nothing. So who knows what kind of lineup you'll get for that one. But, uh, Feb 17th here in Vancouver, a Saturday night. If these two teams are where they are right now, that will be popping at, uh, Rogers arena. Okay. So you were at practice today. Canucks practice. Uh, we saw metallic helmets. Can we pull these <laughs> up, The metallic helmets. from are- Not chrome. Not chrome. No. <laughs> Apparently, the messaging from the hockey club is that these are metallic blue. Uh, and then there was some sort of discussion and debate about, you know, is chrome a color? Is that why? Like, and I'm no expert. But then I had some guy in my timeline weigh in, claimed he had a career in uh, auto detailing and <laughs> refinishing. And he was an expert. And he said that, uh, to his eye, these were chrome. And not just metallic. So who knows? uh, The the messaging that their marketing department is going with is this is metallic blue. And I have to say, when I walked in and we had seen them tease it on that social media thing a month ago. And, you know, the end of January, it said January, coming in January. Well, we're getting to the end of January. uh, So you had to figure that uh, we were going to get a look at some point. I walked into the practice rink or to Rogers Arena for practice and did not hate at all. Like I actually thought these were pretty cool looking helmets and I'm not one that gets too worked up about black skate or matte black or whatever. Uh, I think if you win hockey games, the uniforms look pretty good. If they win the Stanley cup and they're wearing pink pajamas, I think they'd look pretty good uh, in those. Maybe they want to take my fashion advice. Uh, whatever the case, I, I went in thinking a little gimmicky. I've seen the Kings, seen the golden Knights, um, uh, but I didn't hate these. And so uh, the Canucks were also very clear to point out that this was just a breaking in of new equipment Hmm. day. They do not have a date yet for wearing these in a game. They don't have a commitment to that either. So if you thought, okay, well, the end of January and they're already wearing black skate on Saturday against Columbus, that this is the game. No, I think uh, it's going to be conventional blue uh, against the St. Louis blues, but it would be perfect. If ever there was a game against the blues, uh, this would have been it, I guess, but uh, we'll have to wait to see. Do it with the white uniforms. Do it with the aways. So I'm glad you brought that up because I talked to Red Hamilton, the trainer, in the locker room afterwards because I'm a huge proponent. I think San Jose is doing this all the time now where they wear the dark helmet with their white uniform out of the road. And I think it looks really good. And I think this would be a good look for the Vancouver Canucks. And as Red said, problem with these metallics is that they chip. Mm-hmm. And... You don't take a whole bunch of replacements out on the road. And, and so you can fix them up and patch them up if you're at home, but uh, a little different if you're on a five game road trip and you've taken the uh, metallic helmets. So, Dave, I, I like your thinking, but I also think you're going to be a little disappointed that uh, if we see them in game action, it's probably going to be at home. JPEG, going back to last night's game, what did you make of the
4: new look D pairs, uh, specifically with, with Hughes and Myers together as well?
5: Uh, I mean, as much as the coaching staff did, because at practice today, <laughs> they were right back to, to Quinn Hughes with the uh, Philip Aronik and Myers and Zadorov, And so uh, I would assume that uh, it really was one night based on the opponent. They could experiment. Uh, you and I watched in the first period and you leaned over to me at one point when it was Hughes and Myers with the lotto line out there against the Blackhawks. Like this is full throttle, you know, go is go time. And the Canucks couldn't get out of their own zone. And I mean, it took them like four times of regrouping and eventually Tyler Myers with, you know, an errant pass out to the neutral zone and the lotto line got off the ice and they essentially flushed 30 or 40 seconds of lotto line time against the Chicago Blackhawks. And so, um, look, I, I have gone to bat for Tyler Myers. I think he's had a nice bounce back season. I think there's definitely a role for him on this hockey club. But he's not the partner for Quinn Hughes, and so again, I had no issues with them experimenting against a team like the Blackhawks. But uh, they are better off juicing their lineup and going, uh, you know, full tilt with Heronikin and, and Hughes when they can. I think they wanted to see what did that look like. You know, can they break them up? Uh, what can Heronik do on his own? But uh, yeah, look, I was disappointed, like, and I think this comes from them raising the bar as a team and an organization this year. And I didn't need them to beat the Blackhawks 10-1 to 1 like they beat San Jose in November. But that second period, I mean, they had three shots on goal through the first 12 or 13 minutes. They had trouble getting out of their own zone, uh, totally disconnected. They took penalties that would tell you that with Sam Lafferty putting the puck over the glass from his own end and and then the too many men on the ice penalty. So I know your question was about the defense, but I say go back to what was working for you so well uh because i just didn't like a lot of what i saw from the vancouver canucks now they were never threatened and with that Demco, i'm not sure you know the blackhawks if they'd stayed overnight and kept playing i'm not sure that they were going to score a goal against that Demco with that lineup and dave they're not all jason dickinson <laughs> they're all joey anderson's if they're <laughs> uh, anybody yes, um, right. but <laughs> yeah i mean i look I, I just think we expect more from the vancouver canucks we saw them let down a little bit against toronto and they got their two nothing lead and i thought they looked a little too comfortable for my liking they have to be better uh and they'll face better opponents and they're going to have to find a way to play a complete game because they didn't do that last night they did enough to get out in front and then just kind of put it on cruise control
3: oh you almost say cruise control which (laughs) i really like i'm gonna start saying not by design (laughs) i'm gonna do it by design uh okay so we focus a lot on the defense the forwards obviously yeah. the lotto line has had a lot of discussion around it in recent games last night another kind of mediocre performance for them what do you make of the lotto line like and I know you and I talked about this last night maybe it's not quite time to split them up because you've got all these other lines going for you right now which who would have thought that
5: that's what we'd be saying but Maybe not time to split them up, but any concern with the lot line right now? No concern. I mean, these guys, uh, when they're on, we've seen. They're as good as just about anybody in the National Hockey League. They're not on right now. And it does sort of feel like some of the mojo has disappeared here. Uh, Rick Tockett cited the record, though, since he went to that group in New Jersey and kind of He was asked after practice, you know, are you going to stick with them? And he said, oh, you know, we're going to talk about it as coaching staff. But, you know, why would we break it up even if they're not going? We're still winning right now. And he said they take on so much of the focus of the other team. And I think there is some value to that where if the other team is loading up to defend that line, then it should free up uh, opportunities for other guys lower in the lineup. And we've seen the Canucks absolutely uh, win those battles at the fringes uh, pretty much all season long so uh, I would expect that you see lotto line to start against the St. Louis Blues the only team to beat the Canucks in regulation here in calendar year 2024 the Canucks uh, they remember that uh, it was referenced after uh, practice today so um, you know they didn't play poorly in St. Louis but uh, again that was uh, that I game before the lotto line was put together because those guys weren't going individually then and And now together they haven't really been going, but I think some of it is uh, Brock Besser's magic has disappeared too. We should point that out three goals in his last 13 games. And I know there were a couple that were overturned in there, but uh, you know, I mean, we were talking about 50 goals. Now I think, can he get to 40? Yeah, but he's going to have to get back on his horse here. He's going to get to 30. He needs three to get to 30. So I'd keep riding them and give them an opportunity uh the St. Louis Blues are gonna be tired they play in Calgary tonight so the Canucks getting a break there they'll probably see Joel Hofer a backup goaltender and then you got the Blue Jackets uh, another revenge game coming up on Saturday before the All-Star break so am I worried no uh and I asked JT Miller about you know is it just the dog days here you know is it just a lull everybody kind of goes through it I thought I gave him an out and he dropped uh, it's not about us man <laughs> uh earlier today so uh, he didn't want to talk about the struggles of the lotto line right now but i got a kick out of uh, his very sort of uh, uh, determined use of man to uh, let me know that he didn't like the question <laughs> jay pat a season ago nils
4: hoaglander couldn't earn bruce boudreaux's trust yeah. at all felt like he had no confidence defensively felt like he had no confidence offensively in the middle of a breakout season felt like the last couple of games in particular he's been dynamite outside of just the goal scoring what's stood out to you about hoaglander's game and
5: why he's been able to take such a big step this year i love how fearless he is on the forecheck and there were a couple of examples last night too where you know he always engages like he gets into the battle but i remember this from his first training camp and then when he made the team out of that training camp in the all canadian division it was like he wins way more than his share of battles for a guy his size and and I've always admired that about him and it's not easy. Like you're going up against the best of the best. Uh, These are elite athletes in the national hockey league and guys that are way bigger and heavier than him. And we saw again last night that there were some opportunities. uh, His ability, like when it looks like he's sealed off against the boards and you still see like his motor is running and his stick is able to, pull pucks out of skates to keep plays alive, to extend plays. And, uh, you know, it's a skill. Like it, It's maybe not something you think about with, you know, puck retrievals and those types of things, but it's just the fact that that engine is always going. And then when he gets opportunities to finish, like he did against the Leafs the other night, uh, you know, the last two times he scored, he scored twice against the Rangers and against the, the Maple Leafs. He's up to 14 goals. And I did the math last night, like heading into that game, bottom six against bottom six and again these are the Blackhawks but the Blackhawks bottom six forwards as constructed last night had 15 goals total for the season and Hoaglander of course has 14 himself as part of a bottom six that has 51 so I mean not a fair fight in that regard but I just I I just like how there is absolutely no quit on him Uh, and I think the confidence is there to the point, guys, that I I had the opportunity after practice today to ask Rick Tockett because I wrote about it on Sunday at Canucks Army and just said it's time. Like you know, this isn't going to change the complexion of the Vancouver Canucks, but you've got a 14 goal score, fourth on this team in goals scored, and he can't get a sniff of the power play. Where you know McKeough doesn't have a power play goal, Sam Lafferty doesn't have a power play goal, even Connor Garland doesn't have a power play goal this year. Like how can you not carve out a little role on power play two for a 14 goal scorer? And Talkin admitted that it is something they are considering here. But he said it's also down to fit. He says it's a lefty-righty thing. Mm. It's, you know, is he a half-wall guy? Is he an that front? Uh, he said maybe it's time to find out. So uh, he certainly admitted that the door is open. It's something that they have discussed. But in the same breath, he also said we have to be careful because the way that we are deploying him right now is bringing out the best in him. Mm. And then mm. he said that's the battle with coaches is, you know, too much too soon. And he pointed out when he put him up with JT and Brock earlier this season at five on five, he said it worked for a game or two. And then his play really fell off. So it was just good. Again, I applaud Rick Tockett. You ask a question. He gives you an honest answer and you know, what he's thinking and sort of invites you into his world. So I thought decent explanation, put the question out there. Maybe we'll see Hoaglander on power play too. Again, whether we do, it's not going to change the way the Vancouver Canucks roll but I just think as a little bit of shine and a reward for a guy that's had a terrific season, you know, how can you keep a 14 goal score off your second power play unit?
3: When you tell me about answers like that from Rick Tocchet, or when Rick talking answers a question so candidly and so openly, like, you know, it doesn't get mad that you're asking if I should be on VP two. I always
5: think back to like, how would this coach have answered that? And like, right. Cause you know, the question could be perceived by the coach. Like who are you to tell me who should be on my power play? And it wasn't that way. It was just, you know, what would Niels Hoglander have to do to get some power yeah. play time on this team? And talk It took the question at face value and gave me a terrific answer, and so I absolutely appreciate that.
3: I think Travis would have given you a. What do you mean by that? And then tried to get into a little, uh, little, little banter back and forth with
5: you. Yeah, been there, done that
3: a few times. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Jeff. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we look forward to you every Tuesday, and of course, we'll be breaking down. Uh, ponderings have we said it's patterson's ponderings oh, i haven't
5: heard that word in months 2024 i thought we, i thought we we might bring it back
3: <laughs> patterson's point over at canucks <laughs> army jeff patterson thanks so much for joining us sounds good thanks that is jeff patterson of Rinkwide vancouver and of course canucks army rink wide is available after every single vancouver canucks game and you really want to check out last night's and tomorrow night's because i'm on there Given my hot takes, Jeff cut my mic last night when I started talking about Tyler Myers' net front, but it was, uh, I'm going to bring As it you up. As should. Yeah, I'm going to bring Poor it up. Jeff, on, uh, having to
4: deal with you two games in a row.
3: I heard there was an appeal process that's been started.
6: <laughs> Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because rust new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from rust
2: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments.
3: It's our listener's chance to get involved and hit us up in the YouTube live chat. And it's also our listener's chance to get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. That's right. For a limited time, our listeners get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter code NATION25. That's all capital letters, NATION, and the numbers, to. Five For 25% off, up to $10 value, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code NATION25. Offer valid in Canada, subject change, terms do apply. All right, what do we got here in the old uh, YouTube live chat? We got a lot of people... Uh, apparently Jeff's camera cut out at some point there and people are blaming the intern Lachlan. Oh my goodness. Lachlan is catching strays. I don't think it was, uh, I don't think it was Lachlan's fault. I'm going to be honest with you, but, uh, sorry, I'm trying to scroll. There's discourse. See, this is the problem. I'm happy that everybody is in the YouTube live chat. I'm not trying to say stop talking in the YouTube live chat, but people get into these back and forth, which I get it. I get it. It's good. It's good. It's good that this is happening, but. People get into these little back and forths and we don't really get a chance to go read like an actual submission because it's just this back and forth fight between a few people. And I could narrate the fight and read it out, but I, that's not what this segment's all about. Okay. I got one now. I had to buy myself some time. Anyone else from Jesse C? Cause bank on the last shift to defend the shutout must mean something, right? Talking is not risking that just to prop up a guy. He's healthy scratched without remorse. look, I said it. I thought Kuzmenko had a really great confidence-building game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yesterday, I said it. If you're not feeling great, Chicago is a get-right game. Do, do whatever you want. You're probably not going to get scored on. That's what the Canucks did last night. They fell asleep in the second period, and Chicago couldn't score. That's your get-right game, and I thought that was a good one for Kuzmenko to have, and not only on the score sheet, but the one thing about Kuzmenko that I highlighted last night on Rinkwide and that I wanted to highlight today as well is, in the lead-up to that goal... And obviously the second goal, everybody saw the, the battle behind the net that he ends up winning and gets the puck to Quinn Hughes, who obviously made magic happen. So that'll be what we all remember from that. But in the immediate, uh, immediate events before the first goal, Kuzmenko wins a puck battle in the neutral zone where I was literally just expecting him to stop moving his feet and to just concede and give up, right? And then skate to the bench and then find out when he gets there that that's his new home for the rest of the game. <laughs> Fully expecting that. But instead, he stays engaged on the play through the neutral zone, makes a hard play to get the puck back, and then goes for a line change. And then, or sorry, that was the shift That was the shift before the goal, excuse me. And then on that goal, he had another play where he was strong in the neutral zone, strong away from the puck, and it led to a goal. And like, that's what I really noticed with Kuzmenko. And of course, the Spinorama pass is great, but I really noticed him hard on the four check last night. I noticed him hard on pucks. Every, every time he had the opportunity to move his feet, he was moving his feet. And I absolutely, I am reading into it the same way that Jesse is in the YouTube live chat. That is a reward from Talkit for how Kuzmenko played last night.
4: Yeah, there's also no risk from Talkit's perspective. I know you're defending a 2-0 lead, but who are we kidding? It's a Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. Talkit, after the game was asked about Kuzmenko being out there in the last minute of the game and sort of spoke about it. it's good for him to have the experience of learning how to surf a guy was uh, talking terminology and talking actually had a credit for the way Kuzmenko played that uh, final shift and sort of said, hopefully this can reinforce to Kuzmenko the message, the message that we're telling him that, Hey, this style can work in terms of this um, surfing concept defensively. So, yeah, I think that was definitely a reward. Uh, the big question, of course, is whether Kuzmenko would be out there against any team besides a Chicago or, or a San Jose, but baby steps, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like you might you might have the itch, you can't, to send Kuzmenko to the AHL and let him lock down games against AHL teams. You rarely get that chance to do that at the NHL level, but they had the chance to do it yesterday. So <laughs> it was basically like Kuzmenko was locking it down against the Rockford Ice Hogs. So he gets that opportunity. If it's, if it's somehow disastrously 2-1,
4: yeah. they're not going to score
3: two. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's right. If Rockford scores a goal there, you can put The real question else.
4: is if it was a 1-0 lead, would Kuzmenko have still gotten that shift?
3: Yeah, I don't know. I <laughs> don't, don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't think so. I just, I found it so funny. Sorry to harp on Jason Dickinson again. But I found it so funny that like, all right, Chicago's got their power play out there. Who's their big bomb from the point where Bedard, you should be, right? Like that one timer from the right point. That's where Bernard should be playing. It's Jason Dickinson. Jason Dickinson, the se- a right shot, just like Connor Bernard. Same he's number a- of goals on the season. Isn't Dickinson right-handed? He shoots left. He shoots left. Oh, well, he's still on that. Did you watch him at I all? Did, all I I did. <laughs> I'm telling you, everybody is Jason Dickinson to me. That's where I'm at in the season. And I'm watching the Blackhawks. Yeah, he does shoot left. Okay, I had to Google it. I don't know why I didn't believe you guys. Uh, Born on July 4th, I just found out Jason Dickinson. But anyways, you get my point. He's roaming the blue line. He's a big shot from the point. I'm like, yeah, you're your leading goal scorer. I guess you do want to get him as many reps with the puck as you can. Damn,
4: I can't believe he's not right-handed. That fit my narrative so well.
6: Well, it's funny because
4: Alex Vlasic, I think, was on the top power play unit. And I think Vlasic's been a terrific breakout player. He's going to be a top four stud on their blue line for a long time. But he's a defensive defenseman. Like, he was drafted... And the scouting report on him was this guy has, like, zero offensive touch. Now, he's developed some, but the equivalent of this would be, like, if Ian Cole was quarterbacking your (laughs) your power play. Like, it was Vlasic and Jones (laughs) together. And and it's funny, too, because he had one rush where he actually nearly scored in the (laughs) second period on that man advantage.
2: Oh, man. But I'm
4: like, man you're in a rough spot. If Alex Vlasic is one of your main power play threats, this guy's supposed to be he's a six, six foot six or six foot seven shut down, stay at home type of defenseman.
3: Yeah. And I, uh, I, I, I won't lie. I had to Google it to make
4: sure it wasn't Mark Edward Vlasic. I'm like,
2: oh when did he go God. to Chicago? <laughs>
4: did you know, I said six, 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 seven. Did that not ring well, a bell? No, no, that's no, not, no, not now. I
3: mean, last night watching the game, I heard Vlasic. Oh, I'm like, Vlasic right. doesn't play for Chicago. But I was like, oh, Alex, I genuinely, I thought Alex Vlasic, because obviously I know who the player is. I genuinely thought he was still with Rockford. Like I, um, And that's the fifth Rockford Ice Hogs mentioned on today's show. And somehow. they have
0: Kevin Korczynski, too. Like, you would think, why not get him some power play time? He was on the second unit you know, at you know that. Thing. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, switch yeah. the spots. Yeah. Anyways.
3: I kind of look like Kevin Korchinski. <laughs> like I looked at you? Yeah, yeah. Look at this. Look at this.
0: Does he shoot right Grady, or left? Brady, pull,
3: pull up a photo of Kevin Korchinski. I spin
0: your laptop to your to the camera. Let's show. Will that, that work?
3: It.
0: And no, it's way too far.
3: Yeah, pull it up. Full, find his headshot, his NHL headshot. I think I look like him a little. Like, a little. I've gotten I've gotten Troy Stetcher like all the time. Yeah, Like people always tell me I look like Troy Stetcher. Same Um, height too. Same height. Actually, he's taller than me. I pointed this on the last show too. Troy Stetcher's taller than me. Um, Is he 5'9? Uh no, he's 5'10. He's not 5'10.
4: Yeah, Well, he's listed at 5'10. Yeah, he's not 5'10. Okay, then maybe okay, because I'm 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 I am Connor Garland's height. Didn't didn't Garland say he's between 5'7 and 5'8? Garland's 5'8, because I I'm 5'8. I'm 5'8. And Garland, I'm,
3: I might be a smidge taller than Garland, but like I I don't think I'm taller than Stetcher. Although, I never actually covered the team in person when Stetcher was on the team. So I ne- I've never stood next to Troy Stetcher. I'm 5'10", and I'm taller than Stetcher. Okay. So he's not 5'10". He's not 5'10", then. So it's like the same thing as Garland, where he's listed at 5'10", and he's not. So maybe I am the same height as Stetcher. I don't know why I believe that Stetcher was 5'10". We all lie once in a while, but our height... <laughs> I'm thinking of a bit where uh, the NHL draft, they like ask you to fill out your profile, like it's a dating app profile, and Troy Stetcher's like, yeah, 5'10".
4: Well, yeah, that's literally what the NHL is, you just
3: boost your height by two inches. What else do they lie about on their dating app profile? Yeah, no,
4: I really like to read books. You're talking about the, the draft yeah. info. What questions do they even ask? I can't even remember. Well, I
3: mean, the, we know some of the draft questions. That's different. You don't get that on it. Yeah. Now I'm thinking of a new bit where a person's on a dating app and they ask them the NHL draft questions. It's like, okay, I have a scenario for you. Uh, your friends are stranded on an island. You can save them or you can fly away, blah, blah, blah. These crazy scenarios. Ask those on a first date just repeatedly, like an interview process.
4: That would go horrifically bad. Patrick Waugh on a first <laughs> <laughs> What? Where, where are you taking this conversation? I don't know. Well, now I'm thinking of the Patrick
3: Waugh. You know the Patrick Waugh uh, dancing Demko story? No. Oh, man. So I think Demko told this story on spit and Chicklets. And basically what Demko said was in his draft year, when Demko was with Boston College, he used to do this dancing Demko thing, where in between whistles, after wins, Demko would dance in the crease. And Demko adored Patrick Waugh growing up adored him and he gets an interview with the avalanche at the time and patrick Waugh sits down and instead of interviewing him patrick Wah just rips into him for this dancing demko thing like he's like are you insane like what are you doing and like patrick Wah had a huge issue with dancing demko so i think the way demko framed it was yeah i basically got interviewed so that patrick Wah could yell at me and like they were never going to draft him
4: i i Refuse to believe that story because I refuse to believe that Demko has any semblance of a real personality. (laughs) (laughs) No,
3: it got beat out of him. But yeah, it's true. And now we know why he never smiles. (laughs) Yeah, Patrick Waugh hurt his feelings once and it was over after that. But, you know, this is the context. Okay, I looked it up. Uh, He said, when I was in college, it's something I did to keep myself in a good frame of mind during the game. I used to be pretty hard on myself in between whistles. They played tunes and dancing kept it light for me. That was how Demko explained it. And (laughs) I don't want to I don't again, I don't want to just rehash the whole thing. But you look at Demko and how he's actually grown as a goaltender now. I think earlier in his career he may have been a little bit susceptible to getting rattled like that with like the game that comes to mind is that one against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Where, I remember that game. He lets in the goal, he's like looking at the bench. Demko wouldn't do that now. Yeah. Like Demko could let in the worst goal and it's right back in. Like he's zoned back in. No looking at the bench for a life life preserver, right back in it. Like, okay, I'm making the next save. And I think look, as, as much as he's grown as a goaltender in terms of his counting stats and everything, he's really grown on the mental side as well and kind of how he um I guess processes information during the game and having that short memory that goaltenders need to have. Okay. I don't know how off the rails I took this, but let's try to get it back. Um, <clears throat> Hold on.
0: We just need to throw this up on the screen for one second. Separated at birth.
3: Look. Oh yeah. At that. Yeah. See, like I think it does. Like yeah, I, if, I do see a lot of you guys got say. the same haircut. Yeah. Especially. Oh, that, that sports net photo shoot. <laughs> that was a dark time for me. Man, you know the memes we could get. That, Do you know what Mike Halford, Mike Halford said after this? Because it was the Sportsnet photo shoot when we had the Sportsnet show, Faber and I. Um, he asks on air, he goes, Why was Quadrelli dressed like Ellen? Like Ellen DeGeneres? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> he says this without me ever telling him. <sighs> my brother, who's older, so obviously he antagonizes me. When I had the long hair, he always, always told me I looked like Ellen DeGeneres. I can kind of see it. Well, Mike, Mike Halford brought it up unprompted. I don't think my brother and Halford talked to each other. So he just saw it too. So that's two people that have pointed it out. And that's part of the reason I got short hair now. So
4: you're a mix of Kevin Kurczynski, Troy Stature, and Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah,
3: yeah. We're not going to go down that road, but yes, yes.
4: Oh, man. Okay.
3: (laughs) How are we this off the rails? That's great, Grady. That's awesome. Uh, Okay. This one from Wallach. I haven't been to a game in a while with the snooze fest yesterday in the past few years. How important is the arena production in generating atmosphere when the product on the ice is lacking it? It's super important. And I've heard people, Mike Gould was one of them who come in and say, wow, the next game presentation is fantastic. And I think they do a fantastic job. The only thing is you still need the on ice atmosphere because no matter how good your stuff is, it comes across as cringy. It comes across as forced when the team on the ice isn't doing anything. Like when you flash, make some noise and the Canucks are down five nothing and they're like five slots away from Bedard and they're about to make a trade that's going to propel them up the standing so they don't touch anybody good in the draft or in the top five of the draft, I should say. I shouldn't say everybody in the draft is bad, but you get what I'm saying. It comes across as cringy when, you know, those dark, dark years of Benning. And it's like, make some noise. <laughs> You know what I liked last night?
0: I was at the game and uh, they had a little lotto line montage from their Eastern road trip. And they had like all the coin slots jumping out. And then they showed some of the recent big hits from the Canucks. It was just like all Ian Cole, JT Miller and uh, Zadorov. So in a boring game like that, like you have to have something to keep the fans entertained. And, you know, they do a lot of those skits with like the kiss cam and just kind of like those mock, um, you know, fake kind of scenarios that they do with you see like a couple get engaged and then they flash back and there's like a new uh, chick next to the dude. And sometimes it's hit, sometimes it's missed. But um, yeah, we a tough team like Chicago. Like shout out to the game production crew because I think they're pretty creative in what they do. And the whole marketing team, I'm sure, is behind that as well. Jesse C, would Ellen wear that flannel?
3: <laughs> the flannel i wear. Oh. chick magnet quad says Dr. Haas. Yeah, yeah. People are uh gonna dig up the old uh old quads. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Um yeah, I do like the game presentation though. I've always thought it's been pretty good for the clack, especially in recent years. They've really, really stepped up their game. Uh okay. Did you want to touch on the D pairs? Or we move on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it enough with Jeff. I said it on rink wide yesterday. You gotta go back to what you know works. Yeah. I wasn't impressed last night uh again i don't i understand there's fans out there saying well you got to see what heronic does holding a pairing on his own do you do you need to like i i know the reason is well we you know you don't want to have to pay him eight plus million dollars if he can't hold down a pair by himself but he makes your top pair so much
4: better like he makes quinn hughes better oh yeah like he's he's a big part of that first pair the opening shift JPET referenced it um because I was literally mentioning it to him live in the press box, where if you watch it back, the Canucks tried to exit the zone four times. Tyler Myers had the final sort of puck touch to try and key the breakout four times, and they didn't get out and gain the red line until the fourth time. And by the time they did, they had to get off for a line change. Now, Myers wasn't horrible last night, but he single-handedly on the first shift of the game wasted a lot of line shift with Quinn Hughes on the edge that is a great way to put it that that Philip Ronick doesn't do that
3: yeah that line is a five-man unit like like lot of line with the Quinn Hughes Philip Ronick pairing that is a cheat code and immediately it becomes like a 10% off discount instead of a cheat code when you put Tyler Myers on that pairing instead and that's not I guess it is a knock on Myers I should say it's not but it's more of a. A uh, testament to how good Philip Peronik has been this season on that pairing. He's he's had his warts. He's had his warts. Don't get me wrong. But he has made Quinn Hughes better. Like, Quinn Hughes called him the best partner he's ever had. Yeah, he might be. Like, he very yeah. well might be. Anything else on that?
4: No, not on that Ken. topic specifically.
3: Uh, okay, we'll get to this one, and then we'll get to Betway and get out of here. This one from Kronn. Should they put Petey back with Kuzmenko? Both as a reward for Kuzi, but also the lotto line is slumping. I say give it one more game. Give it St. Louis. If the lotto line struggles and Kuzmenko's another confidence-boosting game, think about it. I don't think you have to react immediately, but I think it depends on a lot of different factors. Again, let's see how the lotto line does against St. Louis, who you presume they're going to have to be better against.
4: Yeah, I like that idea. I think uh, especially just because the team's been winning, it's Hard to break up lines when the other trios are finally start starting to get going. You don't want to mess with it too much, but yeah, it's we're gonna see over the remainder of the homestand whether they can get it going. Otherwise, if you lose the moment you lose a game, and the lot of line continues struggling, there's gonna be that discussion about okay, we gotta break, break this up potentially.
3: Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get to Betway. Oh, Disto in the Twitter chat said, Quad's long hair was more Patrick Swayze. I like that. You ever seen, uh, what's that what's that movie called? Dirty Dancing. I haven't. Great movie. Dirty Dancing is an awesome movie. You should watch it for sure. Patrick Swayze, who Disto says looks like me. I'll take that. I'll take that comparison any of the day. I don't know if I agree with it, but I'll take it. Uh, okay, let's go, Grady. Betway. Bet of the day brought to you by our friends over at, you guessed it, Betway. I got a new wagon. Did you see this last night? Oh, my goodness. The San goodness. Jose Sharks took down the la kings the la kings were such heavy favorites going into that game like i i I think i'd have to go back and look i'm pretty sure that the sharks have better odds at beating the rangers tonight than they did at beating the kings last night the kings tied it up late to send the game to overtime and then san jose took it in a shootout their two shooters scored on no save dave riddick um and then uh yeah they, they won in the shootout, and I don't
4: know, man. I might have
3: a new wagon in the Pacific, in the bottom of the Pacific. There
4: might be a new pick, wagon. You don't want to pick them as a wagon, though. Like, the, not. I'm talking about this bet, but Anaheim's at least a good wagon to hit. To hit your horse, but San Jose because,
2: last
3: night was a wagon. No, they weren't. They beat I don't the care Kings. That they won. The King sucked. Did you see Todd McClellan talking about PLD in two to four years? Yeah,
4: you'll be able to dunk on everybody considering how early you were on the Ducks wagon. Yeah. Two to four years from now, you'll still be pleading to me that, oh, my wagon sharks are going to no, be better no. one day. Dude, They're I'll tell you two in names. to be the basement
3: of the uh, NHL standings. I'll tell you two names that are going to take them to the promised land. Who, Mark Edward Vlasic? No, that's Alex Vlasic. <laughs> <laughs> Not Logan Couture. What's that kid's name? Zetterland. I like uh. him. And what's the other one? I like him as a third liner. William Eklund. Eklund's good. He's fine. Fine. Speaking of fine, pull that bet back off. <laughs> San Jose Sharks are visiting the New York Rangers tonight. Let's pull it up. $10 bet at plus 260 odds over at Betway. It returns you $36 over on the money line. Must be 90 plus to play. If you choose to play, please play responsibly. So maybe don't bet on the Sharks. But maybe in two to four years, that'll be a good bet. Hey, we'll if see. they get Macklin Celebrini... That's right. Bay Area kid, although he's from North End. Could but you he... imagine Chicago getting Bedard and Celebrini? Although Stop I have draft it. takes no. that I'm going to save. I'm going to save my draft takes. I'm going to save my draft takes. Chicago better not win. That would two Do you want to hear? local be boys. Do you oh. want to hear a hot take based on absolutely nothing? Sure. I mean, that's just like doing the show every day. so <laughs> Go ahead. I don't know if I buy that Macklin Celebrini is going to be like a top elite center at the NHL level. Are you crazy? I threw it out there. Why? I I, I can't tell you. <laughs> what do you mean he, like give me some reason. I'm not I'm not trying to just be a a poop disturber
0: here. He's got some NCAA projected analytics under wraps that well, it's not proprietary data he doesn't want to share. So
4: no, he doesn't even turn 18 until June and he's got 16 goals and 32 points uh playing for Boston Uni- University in the NCAA. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, no, is- I don't know. I, I don't to, know. I I genuinely told you. Throwing spaghetti at the I, wall. I eh? don't I don't know if this is gonna happen, but all I'm saying is in his draft year, everyone's like, this is the Shane Wright draft. Shane Wright is gonna be so good. And I look, I'm not I wasn't banging on the table for slap Yeah. I just said, no, this draft year just sucks. Just I say you're a Cole Eiserman truther. No, 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 no. Uh sorry. Harm. I did a show with Chris Faber. All I heard was
4: this kid's great no well, dude that wasn't the consensus man <laughs> of course everybody it was. was talking about Sh- right right was the right was the favorite to go one but everyone agreed that he was well like multiple cuts below the average number one pick sure no 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 no,
3: no. but I'm saying everybody gets excited about the draft no matter who's at the top is what I'm saying and that that's what I, that's what annoys me I think there's like one draft every 10 years that's actually worth getting excited about the Bernard one was one I don't think there's been any in a while
4: okay like Jack I'm not, Hughes I'm not yeah, that's a good number one pick. No one's saying that's. Let me put it this way: No one's saying this draft class is amazing, or that Celebrini is the next Bedard, but he's going to be a really good number one center. Yeah, that's fair. He's not. He, let me we'll put see. it this way: He's not Shane Wright. Sure, he's not Shane Wright. People were talking about Shane Wright as like if he hits the ceiling, he might be Ryan O'Reilly. No, they come worked. on. Yeah, they no, were. No, i going mean, to have to go back Dude, now. You don't do draft research. You don't do no, draft, you draft research. You know what I do,
3: Harmon? I go on Twitter, and I see all the draft uh, people uh, talking he steals about. steals everyone else's draft no, 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 no. rankings. No, I see all the people on, on Twitter being like, this, this guy's great. <laughs> uh, this draft, this is the Shane Wright draft, all this. Just no. A couple of
0: YouTube highlight packs, a couple of Bob McKenzie, no, Craig Button and draft I, rankings, and he's good to go. He's a prospect uh, expert. I
3: focus more on the goalies, obviously. Like, I do my own research on the goalies, but, like, just. All I'm saying is
4: I rarely get excited about drafts anymore
3: the, because I've been doing this. own many times. research.
4: The Lafreniere draft, I'll give you that. That was an example of a hyped-up number one pick that didn't work out. Yeah, so you agree with yeah. me. But the Shane Wright draft was not hyped up. It was, though. It wasn't. It was.
0: Going into the draft year, we heard about him, but yes. once the draft year hit, yeah, the stock started Sure, yeah, yeah, it started
3: to slip. But all I'm saying is, we're we're in he that an stage. exceptional player we're in that stage with celebrini right Dude, now. he's 17 years old and is nearly a goal a game Dude, i in know the playing against men yep he's not playing he's, against men he's playing against college students That are not men what what are you talking about 21 year olds 21 year olds aren't men
0: yes they are that's an adult you can buy a when beer when you say playing United with States. men you're talking about playing in men's league <laughs> 23 24 you're, you know you come back for your fifth fifth season you're at slavkovsky you're so wrong about this
3: no whatever that guy's name is slavkovsky he was playing against men how'd that go for him those are actual playing playing against eight
0: minutes a night in pro hockey league
3: that doesn't count also his hockey db page says max celebrating i didn't know he went back yeah yeah yeah
0: did you not watch what he did at the world juniors
3: no i did i did and yeah like i've seen a lot of guys play well at the world juniors against his peer
0: class yeah i'm not getting below that's a 19 year old tournament and he was by (laughs) far canada's best player
3: that's great. I've seen a lot of Canada's best players suck at the NHL level. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I'm just Bear, saying that I'm not small. Sample. I'm not yet hyped up. That's all I'm saying. And I, I refuse to get hyped about a draft class until like I'm ready to. And I'm not ready to.
4: No one says you have to be hyped that this is yes, like a do. once in yeah. five or ten years draft class. This is, a, this is an average draft class. Jesse not- says
3: my favor impression is very good, which I like. I've never heard anybody say I have a good favor impression. You love your
0: impre- your impression. I do. Right?
3: I do some good ones. Uh, Cody Severson. He said more
4: like Sucklin, Celebrini. Oh, burn, Cody. Juraj Bustkovsky. Slavkovsky was. I did not like that pick when they made it. Who goes yeah. first overall in a redraft that year?
3: Oh, jeez, really
4: a good, good question. What happened? Logan to us? Cooley. What is that draft class again? Twenty twenty. Oh,
3: Logan Cooley's good. I like Logan Cooley probably. Yeah, but again,
4: he started hot, but he. Has I'm not good. excited about that. Again, I'm telling you, I was not for one second excited about that draft class. I'm not saying I'm excited about this draft class. I'm just telling you Macklin Celebrini is going to be a good number one center. No, no, no,
3: Harmon, Harmon. And I didn't want to have to spell it out this clearly, but I am talking about the people whose their niche is covering the draft. And I mentioned Faber, obviously, but Faber did others have. I am talking about the people trying to sell hockey fans that every draft is a great draft. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. That's That's who I'm really taking game at okay fine and i'm just
4: saying i'm not yeah like owen powers the year before that yeah, yeah. that draft wasn't great either no but again same thing like but no one gotta, talked about that as a good draft class
2: they did they and were you like, gotta forget it. oh you guys, my gosh you can't,
4: you can't remember forget this we're coming off
0: a jet gen, well generational player some might say Connor bedard but one of the best draft classes in a long time right so you got to kind of Look at what we're working with here, and compare it going forward. You had Adam Fantilli last year. You had Mishkov. You had Bedard. Like, not every draft is going to feature, you know, franchise center, franchise winger, you know, jet, arguable generational talent. We'll see how Bedard, his career shakes out.
3: People so. are disagreeing in the chat about what a man is. <laughs> what age you become <laughs> a man? I'm just saying when, when you know, it's true. I'm right. When we say playing as men, we're talking about playing in men's leagues.
4: Yeah. So little professional yeah
3: exactly but like the shl is, like at least it is,
4: it is definitely
3: ncaa is tougher than junior though oh for sure yeah. undoubtedly undoubtedly yeah clay stevenson was in there oh i didn't get to the bchl question we'll save it all right that's it <laughs> <laughs> that's it today thanks for watching folks we'll save it we we, we will talk about it it's actually the ajhl stuff oh, it's yeah, actually, that's actually it's actually that's pretty actually interesting. interesting and we will talk about it i don't want to just talk out of my rear which i've been doing a lot of today uh so we'll do that On a future show, we'll talk about the BCHL and AJHL kind of merger with those five AJHL teams going to the BCHL. But for now, we'll close it out there. For my co-host, Harmon Dillon, our technical producer, Grady Sass, and our intern, Lachlan Irvin, my name is Dave Rujali. Thank you so much for this episode of the Canucks Conversation. Canucks Conversation with Harmon and Quads every weekday at 2 p.m. Be sure to check it out on the Canucks Army YouTube channel. And if you missed it, go check it out
6: anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.